Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Matt Strawn and Allie. Hey guys. Hello everybody. How is it going? We know it's not great. That's why you're here. (laughs) It is episode 44 and it's Natalia's turn to tell me a spooky story today, but before that, um, do you want to give an update on your house? Because I'm looking behind you and it still appears that you've been kidnapped and placed in a shipping container. (laughs) Okay, so last episode I showed Alyssa that we had all of the carpet, like just moved out of this room that I'm recording in, and it's been 10 days and it's still like that. And here's the reason why. Our landlord is like, I don't know how to describe him. He's like one of those. He's also the plumber. He's also the electrician. Like he's just like a cheap guy, you know, because like nothing is done correctly. Like I just want to show you outside right now. If you look outside the door for the past 10 days, there's just been this pile of carpet, just strips and whatever outside (laughs) the in the backyard one time our sink upstairs was leaking and we keep the scale underneath it and so the scale was like getting all broken and so he came over to the house i was like hey the sink up here is leaking and then it drips onto the scale and now the scale is getting all wet and he goes okay he takes the scale, he picks it up, and he moves it to the other side of the sink. So he just, he never fixed the sink. He no. just moved stuff out from under it. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a typical landlord. I mean, yeah, the, I get along with him because I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's why, why do more when you can do less? Work smarter, not right. harder. Maybe he just knows you guys aren't going to complain. So he's just not doing anything. Yeah, we've been like too chill with him. We've just like accepted him. Time to up the crazy. I could do that. I guess we could just like set all that carpet and shit on fire and then be like, we're having a bonfire with chemicals (laughs) in your yard. This episode is brought to you by Honeybolt. Honeybolt is committed to creating the highest quality CBD products. All of their hemp is organic and sourced from the United States. Unlike THC, which is the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana, CBD doesn't get you high. It's all of the calm without any of the psychoactive effects. Head to HoneyBolt.com to get CBD gummies, tinctures, soft gels, muscle rub, and even treats for your pets. Be sure to enter code HAUNTED at checkout for 30% off your order. That's HoneyBolt, H-O-N-E-Y-B-O-L-T dot com and enter code H-A-U-N-T-E-D at checkout now. Thanks for supporting the show. All right, Alyssa. Now, today's episode is a very, very special episode because I put it together on my drive. So, you know, it's going to be very, very sloppily done. And I have to say, too, that... Wait, you put it together on your drive so you had no Wi-Fi, so you're doing this on your phone? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's the kind of story I'm in for today. Let's start with a little 1840s pop culture. Is that what? exciting to you? You're supposed yeah, to get excited. Okay. I'm excited. Spo- okay, let's try it again. Okay. All right, Alyssa. Let's start with a little 1840s pop culture. 1840s? <laughs> <laughs> the year is 1840. Oh. Can you tell me what was going on in 1840? In which country? Anywhere. Oh, um, 
Well, there were no countries in 1840. (laughs) It was just a big piece of grass floating in the ocean. History by Natalia. It's like, okay, here's a new change.org petition. Last episode, we said you need to rewrite the plots for every single movie on IMDb. This time, you need to rewrite the history books. No countries existed prior to 1840. Okay, this is all I know. In England, they they were all being superstitious, and it was like Victorian era, and people were like peeing and pooping in chamber pots and throwing them in the street okay here is what i got about 1840 from a quote by charles e rosenberg the book is called the cholera years the united states in 1832 1849 and 1866 he says about 1840s the circumstances of everyday life were too demanding and in americans great cities appalling I know this is going to be such a sloppily done episode because when you start breaking out the voices, it means you have no material. Okay. No, you're actually super wrong because did you realize that if you go to census.gov, they actually have um, pop culture from every decade? Oh, whoa. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I know. It's really fucking weird because... This article with all this information I'm about to read you is from census.gov, okay? So in 1840, the icons as named by census.gov for 1840, literally the icons, it said, was Samuel Morris Telegraph, Frederick Douglass, and the sewing machine. Also, Captain Charles Wilkes circumnavigates Antarctica, claiming it for the United States on January 19th, 1840. William Henry Harrison wins the 1840 presidential election, defeating the incumbent Martin Van Buren. The August 9th, 1842 Webster-Ashburton Treaty formally designates the border separating the United States and Canada. On May 24th, 1844, Samuel B. Morse sends the message, quote, What hath God wrought, end quote, over the first telegraph line from Washington, D.C. to Baltimore, Maryland. Ireland's potato famine results in an influx of Irish immigrants to the United States beginning in 1845. Alexander Cartwright and his New York Knickerbockers codified the rules of baseball in 1845. Frederick Douglass publishes Narrative of Life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave, in 1845. Elias Howe patents the sewing machine on September 10th, 1846. During the February 23rd to, no, during the February 22nd to 23rd, 1847 1847 Battle of Buena Vista, General Taylor's U.S. Army of 4,800 men defeats Mexico's 15,000 man force, led by General Santa Ana. The American Medical Association is founded in Philadelphia on May 7th, 1847. On January 24th, 1848, James Marshall discovers gold, 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 near Sutter's Fort in California. And the discovery of gold is beginning of the California gold rush of 1849. So wait, so are we we talking about the gold rush today? Yes, we are. Oh, Natalia, this is the perfect topic for you. Because if you guys don't know, because maybe this is your first episode, Natalia really likes treasure gold yes and, and any form of like finding loot. yeah loot it's very exciting to me it's like hitting the lottery 
It could be, just think about it. Imagine this. You're walking in your backyard one day and you stub your toe and you're like, fuck, that really hurt. And then you look at the ground and there's this like little tiny white stone and you pick it up, but then no, it's attached to something deeper and you end up excavating it and it takes you six and a half hours and it's actually a full Tyrannosaurus Rex head. Oh and then God. you have $8 billion and you're now a, you're now a philanthropist paleontologist man what? What? or woman think about that like everything just changes in an instant i love that so um that whole article was census off gov and that was like stressful to me too because i was thinking like right now in the united states they're doing a census which is where like you're supposed to say where you live and like how much money you make and what your race is so that like the deep state i guess can like understand who oh they need God. to eliminate <laughs> natalia are you are you now a QAnon believer no but it was weird that the census.gov like that there like you would think you look up 1840 on the census.gov and it's like a bunch of tables of like let like letters and i don't know like numbers and just it, it's not like you know pop culture from 1840 naming the icons because then like what is the census for 2020 gonna be like it like is it not like oh there's a few billion people here and we need another hospital it's like kim kardashian had six children and we invented iced coffee yeah <laughs> i don't know it's weird so also in the 1840s the most haunted home in america was in its infancy Ooh. do you know what i'm gonna talk about today the winchester house no um hold on let me think why would i talk about that you already talked about that no you talked about that i didn't talk about that did i talk yeah, about it's that the one i thought she, you talked she about like, that she like keeps building stairs and stuff yeah you talked about that not me oh that's very scary that's haunted. wow what a spooky episode um no i am gonna talk to you about a home located at 2476 san diego avenue it's a simple brick home and it may not look like anything special to you, but it's been twice called the most haunted house in America. Once by The Time Magazine, and the other by the Travel Channel series, America's Most Haunted. Are you talking you about that about house? That? Are you talking about that house that that listener story was about? That that girl wrote in about, about that house in San Diego? Yes. Do you remember what that house was called? Um, Whaley House. Yes, it is called the Whaley House. Now, Wait, is that, is that really just, what you're talking about? Yes. Ooh, exciting. Okay. Now, before we get into that, the first thing I want to speak about is just the name of the story. Because a name of a haunting is a crucial part of a haunting, Alyssa. Okay. And at first, when I read the Whaley House, I thought that this was about a house that turned into a whale, which is honestly tall, terrifying. Yeah. Think about going to your home after work on a Friday afternoon. You're exhausted after your 69 shift work week. You unlock your front door and you take a deep breath. But what's that smell? Is that seafood? No. You reason it's probably just the San Diego ocean breeze. You sit down on your couch and pull out your phone. The lights flicker above you a bit. Something normal in the homes around here. But this time something feels eerie. Something feels fishy. You no, walk to the Natalia. kitchen. <laughs> you walk to the kitchen and your feet sink a little deeper into the carpet than usual. The ground feels wet and warm, almost as if it's alive. You look at the hallway. It's moving. 
The walls are expanding and contracting as if they're breathing. It's at that moment that you realize you're inside the Whaley House, America's most haunted whale house. A giant blowhole opens in the ceiling and you're catapulted at 150 miles an hour into the sky and then you fall to your death on top of the very home that you thought you could trust not to be a whale. Then you haunt the house. What do you think <laughs> This is just a giant shit post. This episode is going to be on par with the Dutchman's treasure, you guys. Get ready for this iconic episode that is about to occur. <laughs> okay, but no, it's not called the Whaley House because it's a giant... Alyssa's face is just so disappointed right now. <laughs> okay, it's not called the Whaley House because it's a giant whale house. Oh, it's not? You really had me going there, Natalia. <laughs> it's called the Whaley House because Thomas Whaley purchased the property and he was a 49er. He came to California from New York City in 1849 during the gold rush. He left New York City, the place of his birth, on January 1st, 1849, and he arrived 204 days later in San Francisco, which was his first mistake. Why did it take him 204 days to get from New York City to San Francisco, Alyssa? Because probably because he was on a covered wagon. Really? Is that how they, they didn't have trains? Uh, I don't know. But I know that a lot of people during the gold rush came over just like in wagons. I couldn't figure it out. So I went like I thought that there was trains around then. Right. But I don't know. So then I, I Googled and I tried to find like an account of someone coming from 1849 to, uh -huh. as like a 49er and i found one this is an article written by edward mclanny's mclanny called the days of 49 and it was written by a 49er who actually came from there and i'm just going to read you a small excerpt of it okay okay so that way we can kind of like see what it was like yeah paint <clears throat> the picture i got you paint the picture I won't do a voice. I was really thinking about doing it. No, <laughs> no do like, a voice. Do, do a voice. We're in too deep at this point. Just do a voice. <laughs> at the age of 20, the great discovery. You know, that wouldn't be right. What does a, a California 49er sound like? Like someone that has very few teeth left and just came out of a brothel and right. Uh, right. It, okay. yeah, <clears throat> has syphilis and cheated on his wife and got his very first pair of Levi's. God, what a fucking judgmental bitch you are. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Brothels, like, brothels helped, like, bring money and prosperity during the gold rush. Like, prostitutes, because at the time they weren't called sex workers, they were called prostitutes, worked in these brothels in, uh, on the West Coast. And it was a way for women to make their own money that like previously had not happened yet there's all these books written about it it's super dope and also levi strauss made his very pr first pair of jeans during the time of the gold rush i remember that from uh fifth grade oh wow because very there was nice, this song Lisa. no i'm not done there was this <laughs> there was <laughs> If this is a shit post, I'm going to keep going. But there was this song in fifth grade for our Gold Rush play. And it went, Mr. Levi Strauss has got his canvas. Making tents was getting too routine. Now he has got his scissors and his rivets. He's found a fit in blue jeans. 
and then you jump up and you like pretend to pull your jeans on it was pretty oh great. that's really cute yeah wow gold dust wow, or let's bust do the whole the episode the about that yeah <laughs> about the play that's anybody really else, hey anybody it. else out there in fifth grade currently and if so <laughs> did you do the gold duster bus play do you know what i'm talking about okay go ahead no we did a play about september 11th when i was in fourth what? grade it was called america let's roll and we all wore american flag oh t-shirts God. and we straight up we straight up like acted out like a man like okay so there was this one guy on one of the one of the planes who made a call like to his wife and like said goodbye and everything and then like he was like america let's roll and they like it's the one that crashed into the ground yeah. in pennsylvania i remember that yeah, yeah they because, diverted the plane because they fought back and so less lives were lost right but like that was what our fucking fifth grade play was about oh my god that's so oklahoma that is like i peak know bible belt behavior i know it was peak bible belt behavior and the hardest part was we had to wear american flag t-shirt but all of the american flag t-shirts were sold out like all over the state like if you went into any old navy or any hobby lobby or like anywhere like a gap anywhere you could not get a shirt that had an american flag on it because everyone was wearing american flag shirts after 9-11 did you guys also have that problem in ventura i don't know i do remember (laughs) being in school and all i remember is the principal came into every all of the classrooms and was like hey something happened this morning i need to talk to you guys about it like this is what's going on you're okay you're safe like but this is like really serious shit we're probably going to go to war and like we're going to have a lockdown drill later this week just in case like some stuff starts happening in california and that's really all i remember i don't remember wearing american flags i don't remember doing a play i just remember the principal was like okay we're gonna have some more lockdown drills yeah no that's not what i remember i remember getting like drilled with like patriotism but you know what this episode really has something for everyone in it doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) okay so here's my article by ed the first here's the first witness account by a man who was a part of the gold rush his memoir starts chapter one At the age of 20, the great discovery of gold in California fired my heart with ambition to see the wild, wild west. And as Horace Greeley advised, go west, young man, go west and grow up with the country. One motive which caused this desire was disappointment in my first love affair, and I wanted to get far away, far away, and try to forget. I welcomed the lines of the poet, There is a pleasure in the pathless woods. There is a rapture on the lonely shore. There is a society where none intrude by the deep sea and music in its roar. Hearing of the company being formed in Charleston, Jefferson County, Virginia, 10 miles west of Harper's Ferry, the place where John Brown made his raid to free the slaves, I realized that here was the opportunity. The company that was formed to start to California March 3rd, 49. There were three men from my neighborhood that had joined this company, and one of these men, Ed Hooper, was going to Charleston to pay his dues. So I went with him to try to join the same ten-spot party. We rode horseback and forded the Shenandoah River. He rode a large horse, and mine was small. And about halfway across, my horse commenced swimming and swam to shore. I was soaking wet from head to foot, but happy in the thought that my hopes might soon be realized. Hooper made fun of me, but said, Mick, You've got nerve enough to make a good one across the plains. 
We reached Charleston by by night and stopping at the hotel ate a hearty supper, as you can imagine. There were about 50 guests at the hotel, most of whom had tried to come to join the company. They asked how I came to be so wet. I told them I had swum the river in my anxiety to join the company. They were amused and remarked, You've got nerve, and said also, We are here for the purpose of joining the company. We fear, however, we're too late, as we have been informed the quota of 75 is full. My heart fell. And then he goes on to basically say that the 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 like band of people that they're going with is 75 and that they might be too late to go because I guess like you go out in these camps you pay someone like 300 bucks and then they like take you and they like pack you out and you go to California so then Wait, he says can, when when you when you're doing when you're reading this and you're going over this and editing it can you please put old-timey music in the background yes. like like pack horse chains rattling and like someone <laughs> ringing the triangle calling people for supper and they're eating beans supper. and biscuits yes absolutely thank you so okay. 40 of these applicants were made to stand in a row to be examined physically and i fortunately was the fifth and last one to be taken on which naturally gave me great joy. I then went to the secretary and I gave him the $300 required to become a member of the company, which was called the Charleston Jefferson County, Virginia Mining Company. Each member was given a rubber sack with the company's mark on it to use in carrying his clothing. The 3rd of March, 1849, a day never to be forgotten, was the date set for our departure. I returned to my home, reached there as the family were eating supper and threw my sack on the floor, remarking that I was a member of the company destined to cross the plains to California. Still buoyant with the hope and anticipation the date for starting came, and I bade a sad farewell to my family and reached Charleston in time to join the company on March 3rd. There were hundreds of our friends to bid us goodbye, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, wives, sweethearts, and even old family darkies, all with tears in their eyes. What? For, the, <laughs> for they knew not our way. Old family darkies, Alyssa. Well, all right. <laughs> and moving on. I'm just reading his account, okay? Mm-hmm. So then he says, we reached Harper's Ferry at noon. Then we took the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad to Cumberland, Maryland, the terminus of the road at that time. Father met me at Harper's Ferry with tears in his eyes the first time I ever saw him shed. He said, my son, here is a 12 hymn book from a Bible from your mother and myself. I would rather give you the thousand dollars than have you leave me today. But I replied, father. It's for the best. And then he basically goes on the rest of this memoir and he talks about how of these 75 men crossing the plains, by the time they got there, like four of them had died. Right. It was actually like a really, yeah, it was like a really tumultuous trip. And like, it's crazy how they died. A lot of it was just freak accidents. Like one guy was like packing his gun and he accidentally dropped it and then it like shot him in the hip. Oh, geez. And then they... 
they called the doctor to come like try to save him and he couldn't and he just knew he was going to die. And so he's telling everyone like, man, I know I'm going to die, but I'm actually most bummed about the fact that like I'm not my mom's not going to have like a grave for me. You know, I'm going to be buried out here on the plains, like hundreds of miles away from my home with no one around me. And they're just like, yep, well, see you later. And then he died. They leave him. Well, they, I mean, he died and then they buried him on the planes. Oh, okay. They like, but yeah, like it would, that sucks. Like getting, like dying on an expedition, you know, no one's going to see your body or yeah, you're just kind of being lonely out there. I I felt really bad for him. So that's, that makes sense why now it's like so hard to come out. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't find anything about like actual Thomas Whaley saying how he got to out there. It just says it took him 204 days. So yeah, it makes sense. That's, yeah, you're crossing the plains on a pack mule or a, a horse. horse or a covered wagon. And then what happened next was the most terrifying story of American history. I wish you guys could see how insane Natalia looks right now. <laughs> okay, Alyssa, are you ready for spooky time? I have been ready to be spooked. For several days. I am ready for this. So Thomas Whaley, he's a 49er. He comes from New York City to California during the gold rush. And he gets to California finally. He sets up a store with this guy named George Wardle on Montgomery Street where he sold hardware and woodwork from his family's New York business, which was called Pine Whaley. His store sold mining equipment and utensils on consignment, which I think is really smart, right? Because... B, it's like B2B, you know, like business to business. That's how like the majority of businesses that are like super huge are B2B businesses where you're not like, like he's not being a gold digger. He's selling or not a gold digger. He's not. <laughs> he's being literally a being miner. a gold digger. <laughs> he's selling the equipment that everyone needs to be a gold miner right. to them. And I'm like, this is a real smart businessman because when you hear your son wants to be a 49er. And you're like, okay, sir, pro football is a really risky career choice. But then it turns out that he's actually an 1849 immigrant who had dreams of selling mining mining accessories. You're like, okay, that's the American dream. I just rolled. I just rolled my eyes so hard. <laughs> so Whaley came from a Scots-Irish family, which was immigrated to Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1722 and his great-grandfather alexander whaley was a gunsmith who participated in the boston tea party and the revolutionary war where he provided flintlock muskets for soldiers and the use of his house on long island by general george washington and thomas's father thomas whaley carried on the same family guns business and served in the new york militia during the war of 1812 and he married this girl named rachel pye whose father was manufacturing locks in Brooklyn. So he is like literally like the the American dream. So Whaley sets up several businesses and he works really hard and then he amasses enough money to return to New York to marry his sweetheart, Anna Eloise Lanay, who's the daughter of French parents on May 14th, 1853. Which is really funny to think like a guy's gonna go out and he's like, I'm gonna go, you know what? This girl's not gonna pay attention to me right now, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to go away for a while and I'm going to get really rich and then I'm going to come <laughs> back and try again. 
So upon the couple's return to San Diego, Whaley purchases the property, the Whaley House, in September 1855, which had been the site of a hanging of the infamous Yankee Jim Robinson in August of 1852. So this Yankee Jim Robinson was this horse thief guy who was like also a gold dude. Like he was a 49er. Here's the short story of it. He was a 49er crook thief man. He came to California to this like random town that wasn't even, it wasn't even a town at the time. It was just like a piece of grass and trees. And he came there and he found gold. But then like, you don't want people to know you have gold because then they're going to come and start mining. So to be inconspicuous, he just puts like a huge corral of horses out there and like told people that he was like a horse guy and that was his business. That's smart. Yeah. But people figure it out, and then they come all over there, and, like, within minutes, everything sucks. Like, they build up a whole town around him, and then the town gets, like, arson to it, and there's, like, it's like that, you know when there's, like, gunfights in the streets and stuff and like, old Western-timey movies? Yeah. It's like that. And so then there's this big fire, and he kind of has to flee the town, and he runs away because he also, like, stole people's horses, and they chased him out of town. And then he gets to San Diego, and people find out they're here, and they're like, no, we don't like this. And so then they build gallows, and they, like, literally hang him in these makeshift gallows. And he's, like, 6'4". He's a really tall dude, so it was hard to hang him because not many people were that tall then. So, like the way that they did it is they put the noose around your neck and then they had a wagon and they would just pull the wagon out from underneath you and then you would hang but because his he was so tall when they pulled the wagon out from underneath him he first of all could like reach the wagon for a really long time so as they're pulling it he's like going sideways and then when the when the wagon finally leaves he like swings back and forth like a pendulum and it's like really gross and he strangles to death and dies and his like toes can like kind of touch the ground because he's so tall so it was just like a really sort of miserable very gruesome yeah and thomas whaley was in the crowd watching this execution and then decides that he's gonna buy that plot of land to build his house on thomas whaley sounds like a very haunted man if i watched somebody die a very grisly murder on a piece of property my first thought would be how do i get away from here not how do i buy this land i think he was just like a businessman he was thinking like the whole time the execution was going he was probably thinking like i wonder who owns this land here yeah. Or maybe he like <laughs> saw an opportunity because he was like, nobody's going to want to buy this. Someone just died a horrific death here. I bet you I can get this at a discount. Right. That's exactly what happened. And so in August of 1857, Whaley established his general store at the residence and solicited cash customers only. The location proved too far from the center of the small community. So he relocated his business into a frame building and a plaza, which he rented. So then in 1858, Thomas and Anna Whaley produced three children, Francis Hinton, named for a business partner, Thomas and Anna Amelia. And then in August of 1858, an arson set fire, destroyed Whaley's business on the plaza. And at the same time, his son, Thomas, who was only 18 months died of scarlet fever oh man the olden times that's why people had so many kids it was just you were lucky if 
if you had 10 kids, you were lucky if two made it to adulthood. So you kind of had to keep right. having kids if you wanted your bloodline to continue. You got to hedge your bets against each other. Yeah. So Thomas Whaley is obviously really sad over the loss of his son. And also this fire burns down their business. So he moves to San Francisco. And then several years later in 1868, the Whaley family, which is his wife and five children, returned to the home. And upon that return to the home, something very haunted happened, Alyssa. Uh-oh. Do you know what happened? I'm trying to remember what the person that wrote in the listener story said. They didn't tell us the story, but I think they said that some people die in the house. So I'm wondering if somebody... So you said the child has died. The 18-month-old has died in the house. The baby. Maybe some... Does, like, the mom go crazy or something because she lost her baby? So in on January 5th, 1882, Violet Whaley and Anna Amelia Whaley marry in Old Town San Diego, probably in that house. They're not really sure, but they they think that it was in the house. And Anna marries her first cousin, John T. Whaley. And Violet marries George T. Bertolacci, which proved unbearable. They had a grisly divorce. It was a horrible divorce. And Violet was super, super humiliated. And she had horrible depression where she had to see the local doctor about it. And she multiple times tried to throw herself into the cistern, which is where they store water. And she was just really, really, really depressed. And eventually she committed suicide at the home by shooting herself through the heart on August 8th, 1855 really sad and after that tragic event thomas whaley built a single story frame home for his family at a different location because that house was haunted i'm assuming and he was trying to capitalize on the boom in that area so he went over there with various partners and then in retire and then he died in 1888 due to ill health at the state street address so he didn't die in the house but he died at the state street address and then the whaley house in san diego avenue remained vacant and fell into disrepair until late 1909 when francis whaley returned to the old brick and undertook the restoration of the building which greatly improved its appearance and then uh, so after that francis utilized his family home as a residence and a tourist attraction where he posted signs outside promoting its historicity and uh entertained visitors with his guitar and then anna thomas's widow lillian the assistant and francis and george all lived at the old dwelling in 1912 and on february 24th 1913 anna died in the house francis passed away in the home on november 19th 1914 and then lillian continued residency in the structure until her own death in 1953 so basically everyone died in that house except for thomas whaley okay Basically, what I'm telling you is that this house is super haunted. So so let me recap. Let me recap. We've got, you're telling me that Thomas Whaley does like a crazy wagon trip probably across the United States from New York. Where multiple people probably died. Yeah, to San Francisco during the gold rush. He is smart. He's a businessman. So he doesn't want to actually do the dirty work of going and like digging up the gold so he instead starts a business where he's selling tools to the gold mine people and we're all like gold crazy right okay then there's this outlaw thief guy who's super fucking tall and he's gonna go get hung 
because he's mm-hmm. a thief. And so he's like, you know, it would be a great idea. I want to go watch this. I would like to see the light leave a man's <laughs> eyes. So he goes and he watches this horrible, grisly murder, hanging death of this thief who's so tall that he takes forever to die and he's swinging back and forth and he strangles, he gets strangled to death. Whereas normally when someone is hung, it's like super quick because their neck snaps and they die. But this guy was so fucking tall that his toes kind of Mm -hmm. touched the ground. So his neck never snapped. Instead, he just slowly strangled to death. And as Thomas Whaley is watching this man die this horrible death, He's like, you know what? I bet nobody else is going to want to buy this land that this man died on. And in fact, you know, what a great piece of property because it's kind of in the city center of this up and coming place. So he purchases it, builds a a store, and then he decides, you know what? Actually, I would rather build my store elsewhere and use this structure as my home. So he goes Mm -hmm. and builds a store elsewhere, but then it burns down due to arson which is haunted. And then he comes back to his house, has a bunch of kids with his wife. One of them dies of scarlet fever pretty much immediately. Then the other one gets, uh, the older daughter gets married and then goes through a horrible divorce, which is not okay in that time. Like people were not okay with divorce, I'm assuming. And she's super depressed. Or marrying your first cousin. Yeah. Or, or, well, I'm, you know, honestly, if there's like only five people in a town and all of them are, 90 years old except for your first cousin he might start looking pretty good at that point so i guess like what are your (laughs) options marry your first cousin or be alone for the rest of your life she chose to marry her first cousin can't fault her for that at the time but ends up being alone for the rest of her life probably because he cheated on her i'm assuming and then she's like super depressed trying to kill herself all the time and for some reason thomas whaley thinks it's a good idea to leave his gun around his super depressed daughter who's already tried to kill herself multiple times, has sought help from a doctor for depression. He leaves his gun around her. She shoots herself through the heart. So not through the head where it would be like more of an immediate death, but through the heart. And then she dies inside their home. There, So now we've had the 18 month that dies and his older daughter that dies. And then who died next? And they all die. But of old age, or did so, anyone else die of suicide? Or um, no, they Anna died in the house, and then Francis passed away in the home, and then Lillian died in the house of old age. I don't think there was any more murders. I don't. I didn't hear about that. But okay, yeah. And then the architect that actually built the museum for the home threw himself off of the building as well. Oh, gee. So it's just a really sketch, sketch, sketch place. And um, in her suicide note, she quotes this quote that I didn't copy because it was too sad, but it was basically saying like, I can't wait to have my heart out of my body. I don't want to be on this earth anymore. I don't want a heart anymore because it just is too much to bear. That's so sad. It's very sad. So over the years, Plenty of visitors to the house have encountered ghostly phenomena when it's within its walls. Thomas Whaley's ghost is often seen, especially on the upper landing. And if you look into your haunted email right now, Alyssa, you will see a very haunted letter 
from a certain haunted person from a haunted podcast called Let's Get Haunted. And it has a very haunted start time of 4 minutes and 20 seconds and a very not so haunted but therefore is haunted ending time of 6 minutes and 7 seconds, which if you think about it, haunted. Okay, so let me go to 420 Blaze It in this video. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Watch the video. Okay, hold on. So this is a video from Ghost Adventures because they went to the Whaley house and I found the best part and just gave it to you guys. Okay. It's this picture that this woman has where you can see an apparition. Got it. Okay, Ghost Adventures, Whaley House, season nine, episode 11. I am pushing play. Hey, Maritza. Hey. How are you, Zach Reagans? How you doing, Maritza? Pretty good, how are you? So it's very important in our investigations to always reach out into the paranormal community. What I learned about you, and Nick, I was telling you this, is that she is uh, founder of the San Diego Ghost Hunters. Yes. And you've been doing investigations here for the last... 10 years. 10 years. Wow. 10 years. I told you she's got a cool photo. Yeah, you were telling me all about right. this. You were really excited when you called me up and said, we got to interview her today. Okay, so I'm going to explain to our listeners what's going on. There are three people sitting in the Whaley house. One woman and two men. The two men are from Ghost Adventures. And the woman, they just introduced her as a paranormal expert who has been studying the Whaley house. This one really jumped out at me. Good. This Good. was really friggin' cool and creepy. Oh, wow. Tell me exactly what we're looking at, because what I see here is this figure is not reflecting back through the glass pane no, it's, because it's, it's open. open. Yes. Okay. So to me, it looks like a, a figure of a, of a man, mm -hmm. a person. Um, it looks like a hand here, an arm, a very profound head, neck, torso. To me, it looks like he's coming through the window, yeah. as yeah. if he's trying to, you know, crawl through the window. So they're showing, she took some photos in the Whaley house, and in one of the photos, they're zooming in on it right now, it looks like there's a man in the background, like a ghost man? Tell us exactly the conditions, what was going on. Well, we had just done the tour. We give a once a month tour here in the house. So we had just finished. We got everyone outside. And um, I was upstairs and we took this picture. This is Jokey, one of the docents right there. Jokey Tolentino has been a docent at the Whaley House for 13 years. When we meet her, she talks about the eerie connection she has to the spirits here. A lot of the stuff that I've seen in here, and I believe six apparitions, Two of them were gentlemen, the other four were females, but they were always turned away or walking away from me. You never see their faces, do you? They don't let me see their face. Why don't they let you see their faces? I think that they feel more comfortable that I'm just here and that they don't need to confront me. That's at least my theory in it. Did Jokey see this figure? No, I don't think she did. Okay, where's Jokey? Can you come around here for a second? We're looking at a photo here. Have you seen this photo before? No, I haven't seen this. Oh, that's creepy. This figure is clearly what appears to be standing out on the roof because you can see the bottom of it cut off right here where the window sill is. Do you allow people on the roof? Definitely not. No, we didn't know that was you. And then once we found out, Nick made the 
connection and, and what you told us earlier. Yeah. You know, when we're interviewing you, how these spirits follow you around. What's even more chilling is that the spirit is looking away from Jokey, not showing her its face, just like she told us they always do. Are you okay? At the moment? <laughs> So basically, the Ghost Adventures guys are talking to two employees who are paranormal investigators slash give tours throughout the Whaley house. They said they do tours once a month to the public. And one of the women was taking photos of some of the guests that were on the tour. So there's like people coming up the stairs, walking around the house. And there is a man. It's very clearly a figure, like a see-through man. Like he's got... I think they call it like a full body apparition. It's got like a head, neck, shoulders, torso. You can't see the legs, but you can very clearly see like the upper part of a man. And he's coming in. Yeah, and he's in. dressed in like 1800s clothes. Yeah, and he's coming in through a window where like you're not allowed into that area is what the employees are explaining. Like you can't, you like you can't go out that window and just be like coming in through it. So he's yeah, coming, he's coming in. in a way that's like, not human like a human can't just like walk in through a window you would have to climb into it you know right exactly and the other thing is one of the employees is explaining that she sees apparitions there all the time but that they never allow her to see their faces so what she'll see is she'll see like the back of an apparition like floating through a wall or like an old timey dress like billowing like just the cloth going around the corner right and in that picture, what's interesting is that apparition is not showing its face to the person taking the picture. It's looking down into the side. And so the the woman that works there that has had all of these encounters is seeing this photo for the first time. And she's saying basically like, I'm getting chills because I've seen this apparition in the house before. And once again, it's not allowing me to see its face. It's really spooky, huh? That is really spooky. Feeling tingles? So many tingles. <laughs> And I, I was also, so at the bottom, it had like a Google targeted ad for me at the bottom of that YouTube video. And it said that the Whaley house gives tours. So technically, we could even go to that house and we could take a tour of it someday if we really wanted to. I've been to that house. I went to that house when I was 16 or 15. Oh, I was really? like visiting California. Yeah, it was my first time to ever come to California. We went to San Diego. I remember it very clearly. And we went to that house. And it was my first time to ever tour a haunted house. And I thought it was going to be like ghosts coming out of every corner. Like, you know, I, I just, I was just, I was like so scared to go in. Like I was treating it as if it was a roller coaster. Like I was about to go on this insane ride. And then like we got in and like I was like looking around and everyone was just like tourists. And I was kind of like, these people like have the balls to come in here? Like what? And then, yeah, I, I remember like trying to kind of like hang in the back of the tour and stuff and being scared. And my dad like kept like tapping me on the shoulder and I would be like, ah. Wait, did you, so when you did the tour, did you go during the day or at night? Uh, there were, there's like a gas, so it's in the old part of San Diego, like the gas lamp district area, mm -hmm. kind of over there. And there's like, it was like an attraction. Yeah. So we went at night. I went like, I think it was before dinner maybe. And did you like see anything weird or did you feel anything weird or was it 
like was there like a bad vibe or was it just like a house any other house it was a horrible vibe yeah I was terrified the whole time <laughs> like I was in one of the like I think now as an adult because I have more experience with this too like I wouldn't be as scared but at that time that was my first time to ever go into anything that like called itself haunted so I was like expecting you know to just see like a full-on ghost there like hello welcome to my home right so but it was a very creepy creepy house and you know it's old so like all you're walking around and everything's like creaking and crackling and they've got a lot of like old furniture in there and old gas lamps and stuff and if nothing else even if you don't believe in ghosts or anything like that just to see how people lived at that time was pretty cool right yeah I mean it is interesting that that's the house they chose to preserve too I mean I think of like in modern times right if there was a house where maybe like a triple homicide occurred or or somebody killed themselves like a suicide and like a bunch of people other people died of natural causes and then a baby died of, of scarlet fever you know whatever but in modern mm-hmm. times if that happened I feel like the owner of the home would at the very least do a complete remodel you know what I mean like you'd knock down everything but one wall and then rebuild the house or you would demolish right. it and rebuild like I I can't imagine something like that happening in modern times and then it turning into a landmark. I'm even thinking of like some of the homes in LA, like the LA murder house, for example, in Los Feliz. Um, Yes. Even that house, people still like live in it, you know, like it's, it's like a current operating home. It's, it hasn't been turned into a landmark, I guess is my point. So it's really interesting that San Diego thought that this home was creepy and significant enough that they wanted to preserve it and turn it into this tourist attraction rather than either rather than like demolishing it or renting it out or you know what I mean like it's interesting that yeah the the town had the forethought in the 1800s or 1900s whenever the last person died to preserve this home when Mrs. Whaley was still living there like they it was rumored to be haunted so little kids and stuff would like come up on the lawn and Ooh. get scared and then she would invite because they were they thought that yankee jim was haunting the house so they would come in and be come in and like try to see like this really tall man you know like ghost in there oh, and then she would creepy. invite them in and give them cookies and milk and even tell them of like ghost stories about the house oh whoa so she was a good sport yeah she was a very good sport yeah she was turning tragedy into something that would bring the community together right because even though it was probably very traumatic that her daughter died in that home she's like Mm -hmm. okay i get it like everyone's creeped out by this house like let me just invite people in and like have a sense of community and show people that i'm not scary and like kind of entertain people so that's cool. She's like yeah. kind of turning it into yeah. a positive. And then I sent you another link to a video that has a photo that a visitor took. Okay. And the photo is pretty creepy too. There was like a lot of ghost pictures, but a lot of them were orbs or like weird shadows or things. And uh, those ones I don't think are as interesting as like the full apparition. Because to me, a full apparition is like insane. Like you can't just chalk that up to like a piece of dust floating in the air right got it okay so this is a youtube video titled whaley house ghost photograph that was uploaded 12 years ago on the youtube channel terry m west and i am at two minutes and 40 seconds let's see what this is about so i just snapped that one picture i had left and i went home i uh, went through my photos the night before 
noticed a, a couple, you know, chalked them up to um, natural things, nothing paranormal, and went to bed. The next morning I got up and I went through my pictures again. And when I got to that last picture I took, the picture that I took simply because I only had one photo left on the card, I noticed something funny on the left side of the kitchen window. I zoomed in on that, uh, expecting to see a, a vase or you know something possibly on the dining room table. And what I was faced with was what seems to be a, a translucent apparition. Oh. And uh, it's wedged right in between the outside window and of the kitchen oh, and the inside the window chills. of the dining room. So you don't have to watch the whole thing. But basically he's saying he went and uh, saw this apparition and then he or he took this video. He took a bunch of photos at night of the house. And then the next morning he's checking his photos and he sees one that has an apparition in it. And he's making sure that he didn't just, you know, like get a reflection of a portrait or something in the house. So he goes back in the house and sees that there's no portraits in that room that would be reflected. And then he tries to recreate the photo with a friend to make sure it's not just like someone with him that's causing the reflection. And they couldn't get the photo again. And then he went and asked people who it was that worked at the Whaley house. And they all said that it looked like Thomas Whaley. Yeah, it was very creepy. Um, I'll yeah, I'll describe what I saw and what I was thinking when I watched that for the first time. So basically, he yeah, like Natalia said, he took a photo with the flash on of a window, and if you zoom in, it's to me it didn't look like a adult man. To me, it looked like a child. It was like really, it looked like a girl in a like a younger girl in a dress. Maybe I mean maybe a young adult, but she. It looks like to me a young girl in a dress just standing there staring at him. I'm getting the chills right now. We're gonna post it to the Instagram <sighs> account, but it's literally like you know like feet in a like maybe like shoulder width apart, like hands down at the side, staring at him. And to me, that's like a fighting stance, right? It's like this person mm. is like ready, like looking like, hey, what are you doing here? It's like, what it's, are you doing in my house? Yeah, it's like it's not a passive pose. It's and it's mm -hmm. looking right at him. Oh, my God. I'm just like I'm getting the chills. I'm freaking myself out. That was so very creepy. Creepy. Yeah. Like, I wonder if it followed him from there. Yeah. Ooh, super creepy. I know. I always wonder, too, like, do you think that these ghosts are like have to stay in that home are they like bound to that home or do you think that they can follow people out i don't know i always just wonder well thomas whaley didn't die in the house and he haunts the house oh so he made his way back there i mean i think spirits can follow you and we will always cite back to <laughs> Alyssa and i going to the psychic who told me i had a spirit attached <laughs> to me after we went on a haunted road trip and stayed in the Jameson Hotel. Yeah. I was like trying to scare Alyssa and taunting one of the ghosts that lives in the room. And you're supposed to like leave a shot of whiskey out for the ghost. But I was like, Alyssa was all freaked out. And I was like, you know, like tapping her shoulder and trying to scare her and like shaking her when she was taking pictures yes. and stuff. Just being a dick. And I almost dropped my phone into the room because you were shaking me. It's like this old, old timey Wild West hotel with like it still has the original ceiling. So there's bullet holes in the ceiling from like because when people got pissed in the Wild West, they just shot each other. And especially yeah. in like saloons and simpler stuff, times, simpler times. And 
so they have this one room that you can't stay in because somebody was murdered in it and it has all the original furniture from the 1800s and the door is so old that it's like kind of hanging off its hinges but they like put a new lock on so it locks but my point is there's like a two inch gap between the door frame and the door at the top so I'm sticking my phone through trying to like get snapchats or pictures because this was a long time ago when snapchat was still relevant and Natalia's like, oh, oh, hey, like shaking me. Like I almost dropped my phone into this locked haunted 1800s room. It has all these shots of whiskey on the top of the door frame because people as a sign of respect for the murder victim would leave these shots of whiskey, which was his favorite drink. Now, Natalia being very haunted is like, oh, oh, oh and like drank some of the whiskey. I was like, what are you doing? You haunted bitch. And then, and then when we got back to L.A., uh, she saw a psychic because she was having like a bunch of bad luck all in a row and just feeling really and like, nightmares. Yeah, nightmares and like you crazy you, nightmares. You woke up yourself up screaming or laughing. That's what it was. Laughing. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I this, kept waking up laughing. Yeah. And the psychic was like, as soon as Natalia walked in, was like, "This is really bad. Like, there you have a problem." And I've never seen something this bad before. Mm -hmm. You have a spirit attached to you. Have you done anything like that you shouldn't have done recently? Like playing with a Ouija board or something? And Natalia's like, well, I did drink some whiskey that a haunted <laughs> ghost like was put out for its sign of respect. And the the psychic lady was like, why in God's name would you do that? And then she said, we need to burn a candle. Your height and weight yeah in a with church with your clothes on it so that the spirit thinks the candle is you and it goes and attacks that candle and then when it burns all the way down the spirit will think that it has destroyed you yeah which and then meanwhile, was a scam she was gonna do like yeah uh, yeah it was a scam and i didn't do it but i'm still haunted so maybe it wasn't a scam maybe it wasn't but she wanted to charge you like 200 dollars or something it was like a dollar a pe i don't remember it was like yeah it was like $200. Yeah, it was too much money. But it was going to burn for 30 days and 30 nights. So I think it was a deal. <laughs> <laughs> so well, in that house, it. in that house, a bunch of apparitions are seen. People see Thomas Whaley's ghost, especially on the upper landing, which is what that first photo I showed you was. And then other encounters include Thomas Whaley's wife, Anna Whaley, in the downstairs room or garden. The Whaley's dog, Dolly, and one parapsychologist even claimed that they saw a dog running down the hall into the dining room. Oh. And then another visitor felt a dog brush up against his leg. Ew. And then the list of people. And people hear the heavy footsteps of Yankee Jim. And the Whaley's, when they lived in that house, always heard the footsteps of Yankee Jim. Like they said that it sounded like this really large man's footsteps walking around, kind of like rough and heavy. Right. And so they thought that that was Yankee Jim's spirit. Ooh. And then a bunch of people have visited this house because when you go to San Diego, it's like one of the main attractions there. And so the comedian Tom Green called out to spirits in one room and he was answered by a child's voice, according Ooh. to him. He, like, stayed there overnight, and there's, like, a video about that online. You can look that up if you want to see it. We're not going to watch it because it's, like, so over the top. It's, like, Tom Green, and he's, like, <laughs> I'm in a in a museum, and it's, like, na 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 and just, like, a bunch of different, like, cuts of his face at different angles. You know how they, like, do that shit? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it's also Tom Green, for those of you who aren't 90s babies, that was like a very yeah. 90s comedy. It was like a lot of potty he humor, a, a lot of screaming, a lot of like, I, I can't even describe. He had a song called My Bum. And it was like, I like to put my bum on things. It's fun for everyone. And it was uh, like the music video would be on MTV all the time. And then Eminem did a parody of it. But um, yeah, he's very yeah. like immature and very like silly. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. silly. And I he dated Drew Barrymore. Can you believe that? At the height of his fame. Actually, he married wow. her. He married her. Really? Yeah. And then they wow. got a divorce. And she did an interview later being like, that was the biggest mistake of my life. I was on a lot of drugs or something like that. <laughs> I don't remember the exact Ye- quote, but it was something like that. It was like, yeah, I was partying all the time. That was a huge mistake. I should not have married Tom Green. That was That's rude. I know. That is rude. Tom Green. I know. How could you say that about Tom Green who sees ghosts? We stand. Yeah, we stand anyone that sees a ghost. And then Regis Philbin, we also stand oh, because I love he visited Regis. he visited the Whaley House in 1964 and thought and saw what he thought was the ghostly presence of Anna Whaley, which he called quote a filmy white apparition that appeared in front of her portrait. And the television personality was later quoted as saying, "You know, a lot of people poo poo it because they can't see it, but there was definitely something going on in that house." Yeah, if Regis Philbin says he saw something, I believe that more than if Tom Green says that he saw something. Because Tom Green's whole existence is a shitpost, like, in terms of, like, his public persona. Whereas Regis Philbin is, like, a very serious, well-respected, just, like, all-around nice guy. So I, I think if Regis Philbin says that he saw or experienced something paranormal, I tend to believe that. Other spirits who people claim to have seen are Baby Thomas, who was the first in the family to pass away. He always stayed close by, as reported by many who visited the homes. And they could hear tiny footsteps, the sounds of him crying, and even giggling when there was no one there in the house. Others report seeing a young woman lingering on the second floor of the home, believed to be poor Violet, still consumed with sorrow. She seems to stay close to the second floor where she spent much of her time after her divorce before she committed suicide. It is said that areas within the home become quite cold and her presence is felt throughout. Thomas, Anna, and several other spirits have also been felt within the home on the stairwells and in the property. Many have seen Thomas dressed in his frock, coat, and top hat standing at the top of the stairs. Others say they could smell the aroma of French perfume, Anna's signature scent. Miss lights turning off and on by themselves, crystals in the music's lamp, crystals in the music room's lamp, swinging without any prompt, all the signs that the Whaley House still belongs to the many who call it home over the years. And although no one has lived in the house since 1953, the spirits of the dead are still there, waiting for visitors, workers on the site, and guests who've toured the home tell accounts of many unusual and spooky encounters. Some say they've even seen a figure looking out the stairs window long after the house is closed for the day. Others have seen curtains moving even though all the windows in the home have been sealed shut. The sounds of children running up and down the stairs can be heard without anyone being seen. Footsteps, cold spots, the appearance and disappearance of shadows have all been seen, felt, and heard by guests. This is the Whaley House. That's 
also a whale with a giant <laughs> oh my god that's all. i was creeped out and then now i'm just picturing a giant whale okay natalia i just have to i have to stop you and tell you this real quick so throughout the time that we've been recording like the last i would say maybe for the last 30 minutes my phone has been acting really fucking haunted it's doing this thing where it plays a busy tone in my ear why and i can't hear you at all and then my phone is like it'll show like the volume and it keeps going up and down up and down up and down while you're talking and then it just goes beep 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 in my yeah i don't know what that means i just heard yeah the the volume just went out i just heard it it did it for mine too that is 100% the governor is listening to us. Governor Newsom is like, no, you can't talk about the Whaley house. Well, I think the FBI people are interested because they're like, there's a house that's also a whale. Oh, man. Well, that was a great story, Natalia. Thanks. Yeah. Very so I want to hear. Very haunted. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Do you think that the pictures that people are taking are those apparitions? Do you think that those are authentic? I, it's always tough when it's pictures of ghosts because you could chalk it up to a lot of things like smudges on the lens smudge on a window um someone outside the window somebody behind the person taking the photo like if you're not there it's kind of hard to say right but i think that this house is definitely haunted because there's too much tragedy that's happened there and if if we believe that humans are made of energy and that energy can remain after someone dies then I think that there's a case to be made about like the more horrific the death or the more sadness or sorrow the more energy might be left behind so I definitely think that this place is haunted and that picture of that person in the window like in a fighting stance staring back at the guy taking a photo that gave me chills that made me very uncomfortable and creeped out yeah yeah, I mean, I think just first of all, the like the intention. So the type of energy that you attract, right? Because like I think everybody attracts energy all the time can either be positive or negative. And I think like we always say positive hauntings only. And if the gold rush is literally comprised of people who are leaving their homes, leaving their wives, their families behind after this like pipe dream of finding gold which is essentially like the old timey oh i'm gonna go get famous or um i'm gonna strike like riches or whatever it's like taking a huge risk like that guy even quoted in his uh memoir that like his father gave him a bible and said hey you know i'll give you a thousand dollars if you don't go do this and he was like no i'm putting my stuff in this rubber sack and i'm getting on this horse and i'm I'm never gonna see y'all again that like you have all of these like money hungry random transient people who are willing to die for money basically all getting together and then he's selling them tools to go like mine you know right yeah it's like this people that take my headshots are super haunted because they know <laughs> they know that like they're part of a bullshit industry that just like works on broken <laughs> dreams and false promises and they're and they're like you know capitalizing on that so definitely haunted and the fact that Yankee Jim who was a huge scammer was literally executed on that spot like it just got bad vibes all over it and then the architect who built the museum for the Whaley house threw himself off of the 
off of the structure and killed himself. I know it it always I know I've said this multiple times on multiple episodes, but it it's like that question that we proposed in episode five way back in the day about like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like is a place haunted because like, is a place haunted and that causes people to do crazy things? Or do people just feel upset because they know that someone's died in that house and it kind of feeds on some pre-existing depression that's already there and makes them, you know, do things they wouldn't normally do? Mm-hmm. And I always think about that with these haunting stories where the haunting doesn't seem to stop, right? It's like this horrible tragedy happened and then now stuff keeps happening. Like that architect you said threw himself off of the the museum that he built. It's like, did he, did that happen because like that house made him do that? Or did he do that because that energy was just like bad and he yes. already knew something bad had happened there and it was feeding off of like making his depression worse? I don't know. It's very interesting. Yes. You never know. The house made him do it. Well, I believe it. That's what I'm telling you. Thank you. I heard we're having a special guest next week. We are. Um, Not going to give anything away, but it's someone you guys have been asking to come on the podcast for a while. It's going to be a very, I think it's going to be a good episode, but I don't want to jinx it. Maybe Tell me it if I'm be. hot or cold. Hot or cold. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, yeah, you guessed it. She's coming on the podcast next next week. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yes, we got Dr. Phil, Oprah Winfrey, and the ghost of... George Washington? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the ghost of George Washington. Wow, what an interesting group. Do you think Dr. Phil would be like, George Washington, you're going to the ranch? Yeah. Now, you guys, I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking that episode of Let's Get Haunted was really just a delight. And I can't (laughs) wait to re-listen to this episode again. And so I want to let you know, let us know in the SoundCloud comments how many times in a row you re-listen to this episode. This is going to, you know what, though? Some of our worst episodes have turned into like cult classic favorites amongst the fans. Because when when you and I devolve into um, insanity that's what people like (laughs) it's certainly very haunted thank you natalia this was a great episode i enjoyed myself yeah well it was very requested by lots of people so you guys can stop fucking commenting on shit about this stupid fucking house yeah go visit the whaley house tell us if you've had scary experiences with it you can email us your listener stories at let's get haunted pod at gmail.com you can follow us on all of our social media we are at let's get haunted pretty much everywhere you can think of and our subreddit just hit a thousand members so that's pretty exciting Wow. Do you want to do our sign off? Yeah. Oh, also, um, we've gotten some emails, people asking, hey, where's my merch that I bought? Um, So I think maybe some people didn't read the full description of the merch. So we did a pre-sale two or three weeks ago. And uh, the the shipping time from the time that you made your order is four to six weeks. So I saw some questions um, in the DMs and on the emails so i just wanted to let people know that's the timeline and we're doing this all ourselves so we're doing all the shipping and everything so it's it's four to six weeks which means that your products will be touched by my and Alyssa's hands oh shit i didn't even think of that yes so don't ever wash Mm. your merch is what i'm saying (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, let me do our sign off. Um, BRB. Oh no, everything is so sad about this story. BRB. What about the whale house? Yeah, BRB. Gotta go find Tom Green and uh, troll a child's ghost. <laughs> Bye. Bye.